Welcome to What is Truth? The radio show devoted to asking the question, what is truth? Now your hosts, doctor and pastor of Grace and Truth Church in Amherst, Michael Caesar, and co-host Johnny D. Want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Do like Jesus said, search the scriptures and you'll know what is truth. Amen. Welcome to another edition of the What Is Truth radio show. Here we are every Sunday morning with you. We enjoy being with you. It's a blessing for us to go through the scriptures because we want to know what is truth. And we've been studying, in a course, a book of the Bible in the New Testament, the Acts of the Apostles. This is Pastor Michael Caesar here in studio with my a fellow searcher of truth, Mark Sassy. Good morning. Good to Hi. have you, brother. And we've been working through this book, and uh, we came when Paul, in Acts chapter 21, 22, he goes to Jerusalem. He's excited to talk to his brethren about the good news in Jesus Christ. And the next thing he knows, he causes an uproar in the city, and they they throw him in jail. And, and it's his desire to... A talk to the people and the Roman leaders, when they find out Paul is a Roman citizen, said, we better give this guy a fair trial. And in chapter 23, he's given an opportunity to sit before the religious council with the Roman guard standing there and tell them, I've always lived with a good conscience. And then things started happening no sooner than he spoke. Yes. <laughs> the the religious leaders got mad at him and said, why don't you smack him in the face? And uh Go ahead, Brother Mark. <laughs> well, I mean, after after that smack in the face, he, uh, he he separates the Sadducees and the Pharisees because he says in uh, Acts 23, verse 6, he yep. says, I'm a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee, yep. and of the hope and resurrection of the dead, I am called in question. Yeah. And that divided the Sadducees and the Pharisees because the one believes in that and the other doesn't. Yeah. Verse 7, there was a great dissension between the two. Right. And that's a great uh, teaching that God would like us to pay attention to. Now, the Pharisees were religious. They're a religious sect. This is what they do for a living. They're yes. not truck drivers. Right. They're not engineers. Uh, they're not uh, blue-collar workers. This is what they do for a living. Supposedly, they read the Bible and teach the Bible. Same with the Sadducees. Right. Another group that reads the Bible and teaches the Bible. And there's dissension, it says in verse 7. There is strife. It says they're divided in verse 7. How can we be divided if we have the same book? Well, if there's division with the same book, it has to be two different spirits. I remember, you know, I remember when um, we had a new piece of equipment delivered to the operating room. I think it was a Drager machine. It was a high class uh, Drager anesthesia machine. And uh, one of the guys was having trouble working with it. And we called the rep in. And we said, there's something wrong with the machine. He says, nothing wrong with the machine, the operator, it's operator error. Yes. He doesn't know how to use it. Right. And it's like reading a Bible. Yeah. The reader of the Bible can get things wrong if he listens to the wrong spirit. That's what you're saying. Yeah, it's the wrong spirit. It's like uh, yeah. Paul warned in Corinthians, he talked about like another spirit, mm -hmm. another Jesus and another gospel. Okay. And he said, you know, he warns against those things. And this causes division. So even today, now you say, well, that's 2000 years ago, even today, we might see a division between the Pharisee, Presbyterian, and S, uh, another a d denomination, another group. I don't know one that starts with S. I can't think of one that starts uh, with S. But uh, 
Anyways, but you can see division between the denominations. Sure, today. sure. But really, it should be what does the Bible say? You know, yes. let's sit down at a table with the Bible and and search the scriptures and see if those things are so. See, yeah. like the Bereans did earlier in the Book of Acts. And and later, Paul would write, and he watched this. He lived through it. He wrote the Corinthians. He says. In, if we're in Jesus Christ, we should all speak the same thing. There should be no divisions among you. You should be perfectly joined together in the same mind with the same judgment. But if I see envying and strife and division, he says you're still carnal. Yeah. So there's a difference between a spiritual person that's asking God's Holy Spirit and a human spirit, which is carnal, and I read it that way. How do you read it, Mark? And well, then there's an argument. Yes. Right, right. And <laughs> part of that is, you know, you've said many times it's it's about the heart. You and, know, and God I'm, God writes things and he tests your heart by how he writes things. And he's questioning, are you trusting him? Are you putting your faith in him? Correct. Or are you leaning upon your own strength, your own flesh, uh, your own might, th those kind of things. And yeah. are you prideful or are you humble? Amen. And and I notice, and I bring people to this sometimes because here you see, uh, I'm looking at Romans chapter two for a second. Good. But you see that the Sadducees and the Pharisees, they're both Jews. Correct. Right? But they see the scriptures a different way. They're reading the same scrolls right. and they see it a different way. Right. And at the end of Romans chapter two, 28 and 29, the Bible says, for he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly. Neither is that circumcision, which is outward in the flesh. That's just outwardly, right? Sure. But he is a Jew, which is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart and in the spirit and not in the letter whose praise is not of men, but of God. So you're looking to God in your spirit, in your heart. And the Bible always said, if we look to God, he'll teach us. Amen. Yeah. And, and there will be agreement. God's not arguing with himself. His children shouldn't be arguing. Okay, right. There should be unity. Amen. There should be unity. So, so they they strive, you know, against each other. And in verse ten of uh, Acts twenty three, there arose a great dissension. And the chief captain, this was the Roman chief captain. Yep, yep. He was fearing lest Paul should have been pulled in pieces of them. He commanded the soldiers to go down, take him by force from among them, and bring him into the castle. I'm going to stop. That's a sad commentary. Now, this is a Roman centurion protecting Paul from a, two religious groups that want to kill him. Right. And he used to be a Pharisee. Yeah. I mean, religion, we would think, isn't about killing and death. Right. And yet here the Bible is showing religious people can be deadly. <laughs> well, not only, not only was his life threatened, but he, they've been lying about him in the past. Yeah. You know, so lying, and then we're going to see in the next few verses, they're plotting to murder him. These are religious people that are doing this stuff. So lying and cheating and, and premeditated murder is what they're about yeah. to set up. So they, so the, the, the centurion decides to, to take him from these people and bring him back to the castle. Right. Okay. And give him a room for the night, I guess. Okay. Well, they're, they're keeping him safe. The chief captain, he still wants to find out what this is all about. Yeah. You know, well, um, I can, I already know this chief captain who's a Roman. They're still in Jerusalem now, aren't they? Yes. Around the time of Pentecost. Okay. In his mind, he's thinking, you know, the real authority is back in a civil 
authority. It's not in this religious council over here. I'm going to have to get them to a city where the religion, the, the civil authorities are. And that's probably what he's planning to do is get them out of town to some place where now we can hear this in a Roman court. This is a Roman guy. We'll hear it there because these religious people want to kill him. Yeah. yeah. So it's not just, uh, it's like in court today, if you had a civil matter versus a criminal okay. action, right? Yep. Here, this was uh, like a religious discussion versus, okay, now this is a civil issue. Yeah, right. And in that case, they would send him to Caesarea in those days Good. because that was kind of the Roman headquarters. Named after Julius Caesar, and that's where the headquarters were, and that's yep. where the civil authorities were. Okay. And that would have been like north, uh, near the coast, but north of Jerusalem. Right. Yep. So in verse 11 here of Acts 23, as the, the story, I, I love the story. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot to this story and there's a lot of action in this story. And you have to remember, this is not a fiction book. You can make a two hour movie out of this. You thing. could yeah. make a great movie <laughs> yeah, out of this story. Like, and, and, you know, one of the best movies ever made was the Ten Commandments years ago. Oh, yeah. And that was taken right from the Bible. Amen. Yeah. So here we go with the story. This is uh, a true story in Acts 23, 11, It says, and the night following the Lord stood by him. And said, Be of good cheer, Paul, for as thou hast testified of me in Jerusalem, so must thou bear witness also at Rome. Those are, those are words I read in my Bible. So this is Jesus speaking. Jesus shows up. Yeah. And uh, before we go on with the story, I, I noticed the first three words here in verse 11, it says, or the first four, and the night following. Yeah. So he got taken by the Roman soldiers. He got taken into the castle. Yep. And then he's all of, alone. He's all alone. He's all yeah. alone, or so, so he thinks. Yeah. So you don't you don't read here about like he was singing hymns or he was praying or he was witnessing to the other uh, prisoners or anything like that. You, you know, earlier in the book of Acts, there was uh, the jailbreak where an angel shows up or uh, the the chains fall off that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. Here it's the night following, and he's just got to wait. He needs to wait on the Lord. And I'm going to go a little further. I'm going to, I'll take a little license with a dramatic license just by the way the Lord speaks to him. Uh, be of good cheer. Almost as though Paul's heart was a little troubled. Right. He's thinking, I wanted to come to Jerusalem. I wanted to testify. I did testify. I told the people, men and brethren, I've lived in good conscience before God. I, I told them about the testimony I had, how I saw the light. Uh, I told them, I believe in the resurrection. I'm a Pharisee. I, I, I gave a good testimony there and everybody's mad at me and I thought they would receive it, at least my brethren. And I remember when they were in the upper room, Paul, uh, Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. It's almost like he could sense the trouble in his heart. And Jesus comes to minister to the need. Well, the Lord looketh not on the outward there. appearance, but he looketh upon the heart. Yeah, yeah. And so he knows Paul's heart at that moment. And Paul might have even been remembering back in Acts 21, verse 10. Yeah. And it says that uh, there was a prophet, Agabus, and he took Paul's girdle and he bound his own hands and feet. And he said, thus saith the Holy Ghost, so shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man that owneth this girdle and shall deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. So Paul was warned of the Holy Ghost if you go yeah. to Jerusalem, yeah. you're going to be bound. Yeah. And now he is, and he's alone that night, and he's got to wait. Yeah. Uh, now, and I, so I'm, I'm trying to think this through again as a person, because we have thoughts among ourselves. Uh, the truth of the matter is, I think we've all had, I remember a great album made by Bill Evans years ago. It was called Conversations with Myself. Okay. You ever had those? 
Uh, you ever sat and kind of talk to yourself and, yeah. you know, should I do this? Shouldn't I do this? Uh, you know, I got an offer for this job or, or should I go to this school or go to that school or, or should I talk to my boss or should I not talk to my boss about this, about a raise? And, you know, we have these conversations how, how with ourselves. How should I handle this thing? Yeah. yeah. And, and then sometimes what we'll do is we'll talk to someone else. Now in the conversation with ourselves, we begin to lean in one direction. You know, I think I will. I think I'm going to go to that school over there. And then we'll talk with a friend like Agabus. I go, you know, I think I'm going to that school. And he'll say, that's not going to be a good decision to go to that school. Yeah. And then you pull back and and you have a conversation with yourself that night. Well, Agabus means well, but I really think this will work out. I, I, I thought about this and I'm going to try it my way. Yeah. And Paul is like thinking, okay, well, thank you, Agabus. That's very nice <laughs> you said that. But I, I've got hope. I, I grew up a Jew. I've known these people for years. I don't think you know them as well as I do. I guess I'm going to be able to go there and convince them. Yeah. So, and then, and then he ends up in the castle as a prisoner. Yeah. yeah. And so he, he learned, he wrote later to the Philippians. He said, well, you know, if you try and do this, don't be surprised if you get persecuted too. Amen. These things are going to happen. Amen. Well, you know, there's plenty of, uh, plenty of Christians and plenty of people that have run into kind of dark times, sure. you know, disparaging times, those kind of things. And Psalm 40 talks about it where it's a Psalm of David mm-hmm. and it starts out. I just want to read the first, say three or four verses. David says, I waited patiently for the Lord Amen. and he inclined unto me and yes. he heard my cry. Yes. He brought me up also out of an horrible pit, out of the miry clay and set my feet upon a rock yeah. and established my goings. That makes me sound like David kind of tried all his might and all his ways and he, it wasn't going so good. You know, you know, and I'm just thinking about this and David being a Jew living in Israel, Paul is a Jew. He's back in Jerusalem. We're Americans here in America. We often want to believe of the best in men. We want to believe there's, there's enough goodness in them. There's enough hope in them that they're going to get it and they're going to see it and they're going to want to get it. Yeah. And what we're kind of learning through the scriptures is that men by nature, the fallen nature that we're all born with the sin nature tend to come short of the right thing, tend to believe error more than truth and can tend to kick against the pricks. Even like Paul did early in his life, when God is trying to prick the conscience and say, go this way, I mean, there's no doubt that when Paul was in Jerusalem and he said, look, I saw this light, this light appeared to me. It was uh, Jesus. He told me his name. He told me what he was going to do. He was going to send me to the Gentiles. I mean, he's, he's testifying truth to these people. He's thinking they're going to receive that. And, and God was probably trying to prick them saying, this is truth. And at the same time, they're going, yeah, but we've always done it this way around here and we're comfortable doing it this way. And, and it's a... But yet we want to believe that men will do their best, but men at their best are still men and they're fallen men. And Paul's learning a hard lesson here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, men fail. We constantly fail. Yeah. And we have a bent towards sin. That's just yeah. the way that's the human nature. Even the sin of unbelief. I'm not going to believe the, this. Yes. There you even go. the sin of unbelief and, and the sin of pride that we're mm. going to take care of it ourselves. I, I can give you multiple examples about how uh, I, I've witnessed where people, they don't think that they're prideful. Right. I mean, every man will declare his own righteousness. His own goodness. Yes, yeah, sure. I'm but, a good man. But a faithful man who, who will find. Hard to find. Hard yeah. to find. <laughs> but, 
But because people hang on to the fact that they're a good person or they're generally a good person, yeah. until someone gets broken, and whether it's you know broken financially, broken in uh, their family problems, broken in health problems, bro- you know all these different problems that lower someone down from their pride. Correct. And they start to realize that things aren't working out the way they planned. Yes. And they've tried their best and yes. it's still not working out. Yeah. Then sometimes, then they'll finally say, Lord, help me. That's good. That's good. So here, Paul, on alone that night in the castle, is in a little valley. Yes. I, I wanted to reach these people. I didn't. Instead, there's a big division. Uh, the, 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 my, the Jews didn't believe me. The Romans aren't sure they believe me. Here I am sitting all alone. I'm in a valley. And here's where the Bible says Jesus is the lily of the valleys. This is where he comes to meet us. And you were just giving examples of people. Someone was at the house today and talking about a book they read by a guy on getting rid of cancer in the world. And it was talking about B-17 and Laetrile and all that. And I said, that may be good physically, but believe it or not, God uses dis-ease to reach people. Yes. There are some people that if he doesn't get them with a state of disease and they don't find themselves on the hospital bed, they're so busy and active, they don't think about God, but there is where they think. And he said, that happened to my father. My father was strong and wealthy his whole life. And then when he got cancer, then he got saved. I said, same with my mother. I mean, God uses this for a greater good. So in the valley, that's where the the Lord shows up. And here he comes. Well, just like we were talking about the heart before. Yeah. God says a broken and a contrite heart. That's something that he can work with. Yeah. And sometimes it takes a brokenness. And then when you do realize that you pride is not the way. Amen. Jesus is the way. Amen. And, you know, because he, he has, uh, in, Jesus is the word. And, and through his word, he's got all the answers and the counsel and the guidance Amen. for which way you should go in your life. Yeah. But the first thing is salvation. Yes. And that first thing of salvation, the Bible says you have to ask. Well, you're not going to ask if you're prideful and you're busy. Right. You're only going to ask if you're broken and you're needy. And looking up instead of looking around. Amen. And then once you do ask, going back to Psalm 40 again, looking at David again in verse 3, it says, And he hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Yeah, blessed the new is the, birth does that. <laughs> yeah, he says, yeah. blessed is the man that maketh the Lord his trust. Yes. Yeah. So he respecteth not the proud. So it's it's trusting in him and his ways. Yeah. So, uh, so, so back So Jesus Acts. shows up in verse 11. He shows up in verse 11, yep. He says, and he tells be of him, good cheer. Yep. And as thou hast testified of me in Jerusalem, so must thou bear witness also at Rome. So he's going to witness for Jesus again in, in Rome. Yeah. Now that's, I was looking in the book of the Proverbs and great wisdom in the book of Proverbs and, and um, it's God's wisdom in the book of Proverbs. Amen. And in Proverbs chapter 16, it says in verse nine, a man's heart deviseth his way. Paul in his heart had devised, I want to reach people for the Lord. I think I'll go to Jerusalem, but God directed the steps. No, Paul, I'm going to take you to Rome. Yes. I've got a greater work for you to do at Rome. Remember, I called you so I could send you to the Gentiles. I told you that in the last chapter, chapter 22, verse 21, depart. I will send thee far hence to the Gentiles. 
Yes. So I know your heart wanted to go to Jerusalem. I need you to go to Rome, and now I'm going to direct your steps to Rome. Amen. 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 Yeah. So uh, even though Paul had a desire to reach out to his brethren, the Jews, and you see that in Romans 9, 10, and 11. Sure. You know, that was his heart's desire. But God has a purpose for him, and he's sending him to the Gentiles. I think that happens a lot in America today in this manner. You'll get um, a young man. He'll, he'll get saved. He'll start going to a Bible-believing church. In that church, he'll learn and he'll go, I want to reach the people I know, my high school friends. Mm. I mean, I grew up with these guys in high school. Most of them stayed in the area. I played football. I played basketball with them. And then, I mean, he's devising his way. And then all of a sudden, the Lord starts working in his heart. No, I'm going to have you be a missionary over here in Chile. Yeah. Or I'm going to have you a missionary over here in South Africa. And the Lord then will eventually direct the steps to where the Lord knows best. And the Lord does know best. You agree. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> that not, happens not, a lot. Not only does he know best, but he'll nudge you <laughs> yes. in that direction. Yeah. yeah. And he'll make things, uh, sometimes people call it, he opened a window or he opened a door in that direction. Amen. And you see that it had to be the Lord's doing. Yeah. Things couldn't fall into place the way they fall into place sometimes unless it's the Lord's doing. And I can testify of that, of some of the things that have happened in my life. Amen. Uh, but here in verse 12, it says, And when it was day, certain of the Jews banded together, and they bound themselves under a curse, saying that they would neither eat nor drink till they had killed Paul. And there were more than 40 which had made this conspiracy. Now think about this. These are religious Jews. Correct. These are not just some guys that work on the docks or right. some motorcycle gang. No, these are religious Jews that are gathering together, and it says that they bound themselves under a curse. I was surprised when I first read that because I would have thought that they would have said they, they made a vow yeah. or they made a contract together or they made a whatever, but it, they made a curse, and they put themselves under this curse. And so they're, they're saying... They're going to kill Paul, and that's going to fix this problem. And it's curious, like we said a few minutes ago, like these are religious guys, and they're involved in lying and cheating and murder, yeah. and premeditated murder. And, and I think what breaks the heart of the Lord is he's watched this go on century after century and generation after generation. What they're doing right here that you just said, they're banding together, uh, we're going to neither eat nor drink till we kill Paul. God had told the prophet Isaiah a long, long time ago in chapter 58. He said, Isaiah, go to these religious people and, and cry aloud, preach to them, spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet, show my people their transgression, show these Jews of the house of Jacob their sins. They, verse four, they fast for strife, and debate. They fast so they can smite with the fist of wickedness. You shall not fast this way. I mean, is this the fast that I've chosen for you? You afflict your soul so you can go down and kill somebody? I mean, the Lord was very upset that religious people had twisted religion. And I think what I learned from this is, you know, go, where would this come from? This is beyond a human spirit. And this is where we learn the devil's bailiwick, the place where he likes to hang out is in religion. Yes. He, he hangs out. I mean, he's in the bowling alley. He's in the brothel. He's in the bar. No, he's in the church house. He's in the temple. He's in the synagogue trying to twist people who are supposed to follow God to do things so wicked that people will look and blame it on God. 
and not recognize it's the devil behind it. That's true. That's true. And they do evil things in the name of God. Yeah. Yeah. There they are fasting in the name of God. And and God's saying, is this what I chose for you? Of course I didn't do this. Right. Where are you getting this from? It's another spirit, an unclean spirit. Yes. It's a conspiracy. Yes. It's not inspiration from my spirit. It's conspired from a spirit from underneath. It's a dirty spirit, an unclean spirit. And that's what you see throughout the scriptures. Yeah. When you see conspire, it means it's coming from beneath. Yes. And it's not a good thing. God, found, God inspires things from above. Yeah. And that's a good conspires. study to do. There is the word conspiracy. If you go to a thesaurus, no, a, what do they call them things? Dictionary? No, the other one. Concordance. Okay. I'm getting old. Sorry, folks. <laughs> a concordance. And you look at the word conspiracy, it's 10 times in the King James Bible, the first time it had to do with a, a man conspiring against his father. It's in a second Samuel 15 and a whole bunch of other times. It always involves people doing things that are unconscionable, wanting to kill people and do things like that. And, and God's trying to say, look, there's one of two spirits that wants to reach you. The one from above, yeah. that's my spirit. And the one from beneath and it's going to just drag you down. And that's what we're seeing here. Well, in these days that we live in, because there's a lot of deception out there, a yeah. lot of uh, lies and different things, um, something to consider is that in this story, we see these Jews that banded together in a curse. They're religious. They're fanatical, right? But they believe their religion is going to get them to heaven. Regardless of what they're doing down here, they believe that they're religious and they're going to heaven. God's right? going to wink at it. Yeah. yeah. And, and so, they, <laughs> so they can, you can break my commandments. I'll just wink. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so they can justify all these evil things that they're doing. They do it in the name of God. And then, yeah. uh, so because of the deception down here and people are confused about what's right and what's wrong, we say all the time, like the name of the show is what is truth. Yes. And we search the scriptures. But I'd like to go to Hebrews 1 just for a second. Amen. Because in Hebrews chapter 1, the Bible tells us clearly in these last days what to trust and where to go to. Sure, go ahead, So brother. Hebrews 1, verses 1 and 2, it says, God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners, that would be long ago and many different ways yep. through different prophets. Yep. God spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets. And we see that all through the Old Testament. Sure. But verse 2, Hebrews 1, 2, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. So he, I repeat, has spoken unto us by his son. John chapter 1, Jesus is the word. The word. So how do we know what's right when religion seems so confusing these days, right? There's so many different religions, so many different denominations, you have to listen to his son. You have to listen to the word. Sure. You have to seek, go to the Bible. Seek ye out of the book of the Lord and read. Amen. And, uh, and, and that's, that's what you do. Jesus says, come unto me and I will guide you and I will direct you. He is the guide. Uh, you listen to the What is Truth radio show. We're with you on these uh, Sunday mornings. Uh, Pastor Michael Caesar here in studio with my partner in truth, uh, Mark Sassy. Our other partner, John D., is... Uh, taking care of the Lord's business on a trip and uh, we miss him and he'll be back with us uh, shortly. But we come to you every Sunday morning and thankfully this station, which sponsors us, archives these shows. It's our uh, desire to show you what the Lord says in his word. Uh, as we both have learned, Mark, you and I, the most important thing that we need is a relationship with our God, the creator. Amen. Amen. Uh, I was lost until 
God found me and helped Amen. me through this book. You, the same thing. Same thing. That's, we're, we're bent towards the wrong way, but he draws us. Yeah. And so these shows, What is Truth, are Bible-based. And, and you'll hear us reading from the scriptures. We encourage you to read along. If you want to hear the old programs, you can go to uh, WEC, uh, the big WEC, and their website, and it's archived under What is Truth. We're also sponsored by a little church up in Western New York called Grace and Truth Church. Uh, you go to that website. You got to spell the whole thing out, Grace, A-N-D, Truth Church. You got to put church on there, dot O-R-G. And then up will come the homepage. Up will come uh, sermons. Uh, click that and then click YouTube and you'll see the What is Truth program. Stick around. We're going to have a station break. We're going to be right back with the second half of the show. Grab your Bible, Acts 23. Be right back. What is truth? What is truth? Want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Do like Jesus said. Search the scriptures, and you'll know what is truth. Amen. And welcome back to the second half of our exciting program. We're reading a movie script that could be uh, make a great movie, uh, an action film in Amen. Hollywood, but it's a true story about what happened to God's servant, the Apostle Paul, in Acts chapter 23, when he's pleading his cause. There's dissension among the religious people. He's imprisoned, and they conspire to kill him under what's said in verse 13, a conspiracy of Acts 23, 13, a great curse. You might want to read those again, Mark, and just... Yeah, it says here that uh, in Acts 23, Verse 12, it says, When it was day, certain of the Jews banded together and bound themselves under a curse, saying that they would neither eat nor drink till they had killed Paul. That's Paul the Apostle. So, and then it says, And there were more than 40 which had made this conspiracy. So you've got 40, not two or three or five, 40 men that are not going to eat or drink until they kill him. It's hard to believe, but yet it's true. This religious is a true story. Yeah. Religious men, yes. And verse 14, And they came to the chief priests and the elders. And they said, we have bound ourselves under a great curse that we will eat nothing until we have slain Paul. Now, first thing I want to say is they came to the chief priests and the elders. You would think that the old men would rebuke them and say, are you crazy? You right. can't do this. Yeah. You can't represent us this way. You want to kill in the name of God? <laughs> what is that? <laughs> right? And the fact that they put themselves under a great curse they're saying it themselves. It's coming out of their own mouth, sure. saying we we made this, we put ourselves under a great curse. The book of Proverbs says death and life is in the power of the tongue. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're literally speaking out of your own heart the things you're thinking. Yeah. Amen. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Yeah. And you had mentioned, you had reminded me about uh, Deuteronomy chapter 30, yep. about blessing and cursing, life and death. And this is God speaking this to them. This is God speaking. This is back in the book of Moses, Deuteronomy 30, verse 19. He says, God says, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both thou and thy seed may live. So God... He sets paths before us. Yeah. He wants good for us. Absolutely. He wants us to choose a blessing. Yeah. And, you know, how many times do you hear, I, I heard it this morning, have a blessed day. 
Well, I like that. That's much better than a cursed day, (laughs) right? Absolutely, yeah. But how do you have a blessed day? It's not just by happen chance. It's not just by circumstance. You get blessing. The Bible says you have blessing by uh, hearing and keeping the Word of God. Yes. Yeah. So God wants you to, just like we used to do in the old days in America when they actually used to teach the Bible in school. Yep. He wants you to get into the Bible. That's a great verse you pulled out of Deuteronomy. I'm going to look at it myself real quickly at Deuteronomy chapter 30. Yes. And and uh, this is God speaking uh, in verse 11. He says, this is the commandment which I command thee this day. It is not hidden from thee. It's not far off. Verse 14, the word is very nigh thee. In other words, God is saying, I've made my word I haven't hidden it in a cave in Qumran. I've left it out here for you people to read. Amen. Uh, verse 15, I have set before thee this day life and good. They go together. Amen. Death and evil, they're not good. Verse 19, so I call heaven and earth to record this day against you. I have set before you life on the right hand, death on the left hand, blessing goes with life on the right hand, cursing on the left hand. I want you to make a choice. Let me help you. Choose life. Amen. Okay. Let me help you in case you're struggling with it. Let me point you in the right direction. Choose life. One day Jesus said, my father's not the God of the dead. Right. He's the God of the living. He gives life. He wants to keep life. He wants to give eternal life and abundant life to people. He doesn't want to send death out there. What religion would do this? I'm also thinking that verse is a great verse in our day. People say, I'm pro-choice. Well, God says, I put the choices right here before you. Amen. Let me help you. Choose life. Yes. Choose life. Because that's goodness. He tells you right there in verse 15 yeah. of Deuteronomy 30, life and good. Those go together. They go like you together. Said. That's yeah. the blessing of the yep. Lord. And death and evil. I mean, you add a D in front of the word evil and you've got devil. Death yeah. and the devil. That's his ways. Yeah. And so that's not good. And so anytime you're faced with, you know, people, they bring up the most extreme examples when they talk about things with abortion or end of life with elderly people. Okay. They say, well, what about in this extreme example? Then what? Don't you want to choose death? Well, God tells you the right way to go. He says, choose life. Yeah. And yeah. I imagine in those extreme cases, and I really, it, my heart breaks for for people who are old and they're suffering. By the way, there is a verse that God has. I'm going to read it for you in the book of the Proverbs, chapter 31. And it says, if you have someone who is ready to perish, I mean, they're dying on their bed. They're of a very heavy heart. It's troubling them. You can give them, he says, strong drink, like an anesthetic, like a medicine. It's okay at that point to give that them something to kind of calm their nerves and dull them. It's okay if you use the uh, morphine or maybe a strong drink of blackberry brandy or something. That's okay. These people are suffering, God says. Give it to them. And I think the same thing. Well, If there is someone in that case, I just want to go one more step. In the 11th verse of the chapter we were reading in Acts, Paul was all alone in that room. You know, a lot of sick people are all alone. The Lord will come to them yes. and meet with them. And he'll strengthen their spirit. And it says the spirit of a man or a woman will sustain them during the time of an infirmity. God wants to strengthen their inner man and their spirit while their body's going through. We need to trust in the Lord is what he's saying. That's where the blessing is. Go ahead. Amen. Yeah. What you showed in Proverbs 31, it's verse six. Yes. And just to slow down for a second and actually read it, 
the Bible says in, Pro, in Proverbs 31, 6, gives strong drink unto him that is ready to perish. Yes. And wine unto those that be of heavy hearts. Yes. And so he mentions drink and he mentions wine. Yes. I don't really see morphine in there, but, uh, well, you know. I, I would think in our days, that's, it's an, those two things, the, the strong drink and the wine, they're anesthetics yes. that dull the nerves. Back in the days of the 1800s, before they had invented anesthesia, that's what they would use when they're trying to get tooth out or when they're doing an operation in the Civil War, drink yeah. some of the brandy or whatever it is, whiskey, I don't know what they had, yeah. and to try and dull them. We have uh, better things today. Believe it, morphine, God, I don't want to get too medical with you. God put all through your nervous system from your brain all the way to your feet endorphin receptors. Yeah. They, 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 the morphine attaches there and it's great. Uh, God gave us the first anesthetic in um, Genesis 2. When he uh, put a, a, got, Adam into a deep sleep. Yeah, pulled the rib from Adam yeah. and created Eve. That, that, and, and that's why when I formed my corporation for anesthesia, and when I filed with New York State, what are you going to name it? I said, uh, Genesis Medical Anesthesia. Yeah. And they wrote back and they said, well, we're not sure we want to give you that name. Why? And I wrote back the second chapter. I said, there's the first anesthetic ever used by God himself. And I want to follow in that footsteps and use the drugs that work in the system God made. I would just simply warn a little bit in Go the ahead. sense that with with uh, morphine. Yes, if you call in, say, hospice, yes. and they use a little more and a little more and a little more morphine, then it slows and retards the breathing to the point where... No, no and I agree with you. Okay, yeah, enough. We, we'll get into it. You want me to teach you some <laughs> things about narcotics and medicine? I'm just trying to give a little warning, though. Okay. That's all. No, if it's done medically properly, it's it's excellent. Yeah. In bad hands, yes, it can hurt. Yeah. Anything can in bad hands. I mean, a, a scalpel in the wrong hands can hurt. A scalpel in the right hand goes fine. No, I, I gave lots of morphine and Demerol and Dilaudid and fentanyl and sufentanil as an anesthesiologist. And you have to know the dose and you have to know what to use, but you can do it to the point where you can alleviate the pain and they can still breathe when done properly. Well, you just yes. mentioned fentanyl. We know how that's going out on the streets. That, that that's shouldn't be on people. the street. Fentanyl is 1000 times more potent than, um, Demerol. It should never be on the streets. So, we only we wouldn't even use it on the floors in a hospital. Only in an operating room with a ventilator. So that's just erroneous stuff going on yes, out there. Yes, yes. Yeah. And whoever's behind the fentanyl yeah. out on the streets of the cities they're of America, murderers. They're, they're murderers. like these guys who took a conspiracy yes. to kill Paul. Yes. yes. And so here, so these forty guys that have bound themselves under a curse to kill Paul, and they're not going to eat or drink until they do it. Uh, they come to the chief priests and the elders and they say, verse 14, we've bound ourselves under a great curse that we will eat nothing until we have slain Paul. Now, therefore, ye with the council signify to the chief captain, that would be the Roman chief captain, yep. that he bring him down unto you tomorrow as though ye would inquire something more perfectly concerning him. And we, or ever he come near, are ready to kill him. Oh, yeah. This reminds me of, what happened, I don't know if any of our listeners are old enough to remember this. I was a little boy. It was 1963. They had uh, killed the president, Kennedy. Yes. They had arrested the guy that did it named Oswald. Uh, we went to, I was Catholic at the time, went to mass a Sunday morning. I got home and the, everybody had the TV on about what's going on because Oswald was going to be transferred that day from the little uh, jail cell in Dallas to the county a jail cell. 
and uh, everybody was cooking in the other room and I was watching and as there as he's walking out, they're ready to transfer him. This is yeah. what they're doing here. Yes. They want to transfer, transfer. Paul. Yes. During the transfer, we're going to kill him. This guy came forward and shot him named Ruby. I saw it. I remember running in and telling my mom and dad, they just shot Oswald. What? There was no replay back in 1963. You couldn't see it. You yeah. had to wait till the film was developed and was shown the final, the next day on television. Yeah. They thought I was nuts. I said, no, it really happened. And so you actually saw it first. Oh, yeah. I, I, yeah, I was sitting there all by myself. Well, yeah. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> Nine years a little, old. A little but piece this of is history. what they're doing right here. The yes. same thing. You, you transfer him from one to the other and we'll get him there. Yeah. yeah. Now, you, you would think one guy against not just the 40, but now it's the 40 working together with the chief priests and uh, and the elders, yes. right? And they've all got this plan worked out. Yep. But then God steps in. Amen. And you see here in verse 16, what God uses, he he uses some family. Yep. And he, end up, he ends up using uh, the Romans. Good. And uh, he, he does a great thing here. So in verse 16, the Bible says, and when Paul's sister's son... That'd be his nephew. Paul's nephew, yeah. When he heard of their lying in wait, he went and he entered into the castle and he told Paul. Paul, I heard what these guys were saying. They're planning on killing you. Yeah. Then Paul called one of the centurions unto him. Now, a centurion is a... A uh, Roman soldier. He's, he's a officer over a hundred soldiers. Okay. Yeah. And so Paul called one of the centurions unto him and he said, bring this young man unto the chief captain for he hath a certain thing to tell him. So he took him. And he brought him to the chief captain and said, Paul, the prisoner, called me unto him and prayed me to bring this young man unto thee who has something to say unto thee. Then the chief captain took him by the hand and he went with him aside privately and he asked him, what is that that thou hast to tell me? Yeah, what do you got, son, what do you know? I want to hear. I, I got to stop here for a second and say, do you notice now the chief captain, he's, he's a high officer. He's a high ranking officer. And he has enough wisdom to take this boy aside privately. Good. And he's going to talk to him one-on-one -on -one with nobody else listening. Why? Because anytime in the military, and I've read military stories in the past, it yeah. doesn't matter from what war it's in or what era it's in, there are spies, there are uh, double agents, there are traitors, yes. and there are ears on the wall, yeah, so to speak. Yeah. And so this chief captain, and, he, and loose lips can sink a ship, right? Exactly. They used to say so yeah, exactly. quiet on this. Okay. So he takes him aside privately, which is a really good thing. And you know what? That's, that's good advice too, in everyday matters in the sense that some things are not everybody's business. Correct. Some things you need to talk to someone privately, whether it's family or whether it's a friend or whatever. Sure. Uh, I had an example this morning. I had somebody who wanted to ask me a relationship question and, you know, what would the Bible guide on this? And I said, well, let's come over on the side and Good. let's talk on the side. Good. Good. Yeah. And so anyway, so as the story goes, verse 20, and he said, the Jews, this is the nephew now talking to the, the chief captain. Yes. He said, the Jews have agreed to desire thee that thou wouldest bring down Paul tomorrow into the council as though they would inquire somewhat of him more perfectly. In other, like, we, you know, we want to chief captain, look at, we had that council meeting two days ago. We really couldn't get that thing straight. Now, would you bring him down a second time? But they have no desire in hearing from Paul a second time. They just figuring in transit, he's going to get killed. Yes. That's their plan. They're, yes. So they're part of this. They're, the leaders in the council know. So honestly, according to the law, it's like an accomplice to the crime. Yeah. Okay. They are accomplices. A conspiracy to commit murder. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. 
People go to jail And he for uses that. the word conspiracy in verse 13. That's what it is. Well, yes. Let me ask you real quick. If there's four or five guys in a car and they go rob the bank, but one guy sits in the car and they shoot the guard and kill him and this and that, and then they rob the bank and they all jump in the car and they drive away. If they all Federal get caught. Federal law, he's guilty. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Just because he was driving the car. That's right. Yeah. So here, verse 21, but he says, but do not thou yield unto them. For they, they're lying wait for him of them more than 40 men, which have bound themselves under an oath, this time he calls it an oath, yeah. that they will neither eat nor drink till they have killed him. And now are they ready looking for a promise from thee? Hmm. And here it is. So the chief captain. Now he's got to make a decision. Yes. Now this was in the evening. This is going on. This, he must have come to him in the evening. Okay. Yes. Okay. And we're going to see the time. God sets the time in All a few right. more verses. So verse 22, the, the chief captain then let the young man depart, and he charged him, See thou tell no man that thou hast showed these things to me. Good. That's another wise thing to do. Always smart. Yep. Keep it quiet. The, you don't want the QT, the, you don't want this, keep this secret. Yep, Go you ahead. don't want this to get out. Right. Verse 23, and he called unto him two centurions. Whew. That would be in charge of 200 soldiers, yeah, armed yeah. soldiers, saying, make ready 200 soldiers to go to Caesarea. See how God defines it right there? There it is. Yeah. God defines what a centurion is. Each one, there two, it is. there's 200. Anyways, make ready 200 soldiers to go to Caesarea. And horsemen, three score and 10. That's 70. That's, yep, 60 That's like plus 70 10, jeeps. 70. So I got, I, got, I got 200 soldiers and 70 jeeps with them. Okay. Amen. And spearmen... 200 at the third hour of the night. I got to stop here for a second. This is quite a story. Now think about this. It's not just 200 men. It's 200 soldiers trained, yes. armed, right? Yeah, yeah. And then he says, and horsemen, if you're on a horse, that's like two or three men's worth on each one. Sure, Okay. Sure. And he mentions, the Bible mentions three score and 10. And you might say, well, why didn't God just say 70? Well, how come when you buy a dozen eggs, you don't say, I'm going to buy 12 eggs? Yeah, yeah. Or, or, or say, two dozen, yeah, or yeah, whatever, yeah. Yeah. I'm so, going to buy 24. I get two dozen. Yeah. So there's <laughs> there's reasons why we use different words. There's reasons why God uses different words. And he chooses sure. carefully three score. He doesn't yep. always say that, but sometimes he does. Yep. So here we have 200 soldiers, 200 spearmen, that's 400, Yep. plus another 70. That's 470. Guarding Paul. Guarding Paul. That's better than the Secret Service. This, <laughs> look at how God's taking care of him. <laughs> God's really taking care of him. And then verse 24, and he says, and provide them beasts. Oh, I'm sorry. At the third hour of the night, end of verse 23. So the third hour of the night on a Jewish clock would have been about 9, 9 p.m. 9 p.m. So this is fairly late at night. Yeah. And they're escorting him with a army, basically a sure. small army. In other words, these 40 guys aren't getting through. Not if they chance. want to, they picked a war. They ain't going to win. They, they can't touch a hair on his head. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. God's got him protected. <laughs> Verse 24 and provide them beasts that they may set Paul on. So Paul doesn't even have to walk. Yep. He's, he's like in a limo, so to speak at that and, time. Okay. And he commands them and he says, bring them safe. Unto Felix, the governor. In Caesarea. In Caesarea. So we're going up the chain, the Roman chain. We're yes. going to find out what's going on here. Yep. Okay. And then he writes a letter. Here's the chief captain. He writes a letter. And here we get to find out his name. Verse 25. He wrote a letter after this manner. Claudius Lysaeus, unto the most excellent governor Felix, sendeth greeting. He says, this man was taken of the Jews and should have been killed of them. Then came I with an army and I rescued him having understood that he was a Roman. 
So he's throwing in a good word for himself for, there. Because that's not how it happened exactly. <laughs> not exactly. It's a little different, but he, you, know, yeah. you want to polish this thing up. I got to polish the apple and look good. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I want to look good. Yeah. <laughs> and he says, and when I would have known the cause, wherefore they accused him, I brought him forth into their council. Right. Whom I perceived to be accused of questions of their law. Yeah, religious questions, not yeah, ours. Yeah. yeah. But to have nothing laid to his charge worthy of death or of bonds. Amen. So he in thought a, it was a minor matter. In, in civil court or criminal court in Rome, we wouldn't even consider a matter like this. It's a religious thing. Yes. Yeah. That made the litmus test for us. And, and really, like you've said in the past, the Romans, they just wanted to keep the peace. That's it. They wanted to let the religious Jews kind of do whatever they wanted to do with their religion, yeah. but you got to keep the peace. Sure. You don't have disturbances. You know, we're the civil authorities. Absolutely. Right. And verse 30, it says, and when it was told me, he's continuing with his letter, when it was told me how that the Jews laid wait for the man, I sent straightway to thee yeah. and gave commandment to his accusers also to say before thee what they had against him. Because Farewell. the accusers had said, we want to have a second council meeting with him yeah. right here in Jerusalem. And Claudius says, he's not going to be safe there. And he is a Roman. So I'm going to send him over to Caesarea where Felix is. Felix will hear. And if you want to counsel, you got to travel to Caesarea. Yeah. So now you got to go the extra mile if you want to talk to this guy. And it takes him a while. <laughs> yes, it, it does. It says uh, in the next chapter, in the beginning, it took him five days to catch up. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. So God provided abundantly above and beyond yep. and took care of Paul. And, you know, we did see that one point in the chapter where Paul had to wait. He waited in jail in the castle. Yes. And he just had to wait on the Lord. And the Lord provided abundantly. He, yep. he, he gave him an escort like a prince. Amen. The Lord did say, be of good cheer. I'm going to make sure you get to bear witness at Rome. And I guess the first place I'm sending you is over to Caesarea. And from there, he's going to be sent to Rome. But he had told his men in the upper room, the hour comes when you're going to be scattered, every man to his own. And these things I've spoken to you that in me, you might have peace. In the world, ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Amen. And here we're seeing the power of God to protect one of his own for the purpose of that glorious gospel for the souls of others. Many people are going to hear Paul testify because of this. Amen. Yeah. Amen. And he's yeah. going to get to do what he's been doing all through the book of Acts, Amen. which is preaching the gospel yeah. and talking about the resurrection. Amen. And I guess I should say this too, because a lot of people today, you know, they see the world in such trouble, especially if you're watching the news every yeah, day, yeah. right? And because of that, they're worried and and they're kind of in a dark place. And, you know, the Lord's going to take care of things. Absolutely. Uh, just, I want to take one minute and go back to Acts 15 for sure. a moment. It's easy to find. Acts 15, 15. Yep. In Acts 15, verse 15, yep. the Bible says, And to this agree the words of the prophets, as it is written. So this is something God's been saying since way long ago. Promising, yeah. He's been promising. He says, after this, I will return. It's Jesus. Yep. And we'll build again the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. And I will build again the ruins thereof. And I will set it up. So that the me, residue of men, that all people might seek after the Lord. Amen. And all the Gentiles. I mean, I mean, God's desire is to be known of his people, to know his people, 
and to give the blessing, not the cursing. Amen. I've set before you life. I want to give you life. God is good. Amen. God's desire is to give us good life. Amen. That's what he wants to do. And here he's preserving a life to show his desire that I want to keep people alive. As a matter of fact, God's desire with those 40 people that want to kill Paul would turn their heart unto him and that hatred would and that conspiracy would come out of their heart. They'd get the inspiration of God and they too would be lovers of life. Amen. I mean, he's not willing that any should perish. God wants all men to come to him. But like I was saying, in, in modern day, if people are disturbed about the news and the politics of the world and this, guess who's going to fix it? Yeah. Acts 15, 15. Yeah. God's, yeah, God's going to fix it. I Jesus. got that new shirt that my brother just gave me. It says, uh, let me see that, brother. Read that. What's it say? It says, normal isn't coming back. Jesus is. There you go. Revelation 14. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Amen. He's the one who's going to fix this stuff. I mean, for those of us who've lived in America, we've seen it change and change and change. We used to have a normal way of life. When I was a little boy at five years old in 1959, we would get up on a Sunday morning. The whole block went to church. 80% of people in America went to church. We cared for each other. Uh, I was able to take the bus. My mother would give me bus money when I was nine years old to go downtown alone. I would go downtown alone. I could walk to the Buffalo Public Library. I could come home alone. You want to try that today? That normal isn't coming back. It's been getting worse and worse. But Jesus is. There's the promise. He's the one who's going to fix everything. Amen. Yeah. People remember the days when they didn't used to lock their cars, lock their houses. That's right. And and so anyways, in verse 32. We'll finish this chapter. Yeah. Amen. Uh, It says, on the morrow, they left the horseman to go with him, that to be to go with Paul, and they returned to the castle, who when they came to Caesarea and delivered the epistle, that would be that letter, yep. to the governor, they presented Paul also before him. And when the governor had read the letter, see how the Bible defines the epistle? Epistle is a letter. There you go. Right there. And he asked of what province he was, and when he understood that he was of Cilicia. 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 That's a Roman colony up in Syria where Paul was born. He's a Roman citizen. He is. Yes. He says, I will hear thee, said he, when thine accusers are also come. And he commanded him to be kept in Herod's judgment hall. That's a nice place. That's like the Marriott. That is not like (laughs) uh, a prison. That's not the deep, dark dungeon. No, no. Not at all. (laughs) He's being kept in Herod's judgment hall. So there's another blessing. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's really quite a story, and um, we don't have a lot of time left, but I do remember that um, there was a time in American history when Benjamin Franklin was the uh, Secretary of State. Yes. And he went to France on a trip, and there was a club. In, this is a oh, true story. I, I, yeah, I read that, there, yeah. there was a book club there where they would get together and they would read a book. Yeah. And um, the latest novels. The you latest know, they, things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. And they were always searching for the latest, newest thing. Yeah. And he read a book to them that they had never heard. It happened to be the book of Ruth from the Bible. And they were amazed. They thought, wow, what a story. What a wonderful love story. You should publish this. Yes. And he goes, this is the Bible. This is out of the Bible. And they did not like hearing that. Just like this 23rd chapter. I mean, if we were to bring this to Hollywood, we might get some movie rights here. We say we came up with it. You and I wrote it. (laughs) (laughs) It's really, it's quite a story. It's an action story. And it it shows God not just saving the day, but providing abundantly. Yeah. And if we trust him, he'll make that happen today. 
Yeah. I'm not giving, you know, promises. I'm, you know, I'm not saying you're not going to go through hardships, but if you read his word and you do, you know, follow those things and you, you have the wisdom to actually do those things, God will step in at points in your life. And then you'll be able to look back and say, wow, Amen. that wouldn't happen without the Lord guiding my steps. Yeah, you know, we like those stories. Um, any movie you see early on, they introduce the main character, the protagonist, and you get a affiliation and, and you like that protagonist and you want, and bad things happen. And then, then somehow it is rescued, you know, Yes. and, and you like that. And here it is. Paul is uh, in a prison in the 11th verse. The Lord says, be of good cheer. I've got provision for you. And, and now it ends up and Paul is in the judgment hall of Herod, which was a, a beautiful palace up there in Caesarea. And what God is saying is, you know, you might be in a, in life's prison here, but I've got plans one day to bring you to my judgment hall. If you'll just go my way, don't follow the conspiracy, follow the inspiration. Don't follow the curse of death. Follow the blessings of life. Come my way. I'll provide for you. I'll put a contingent of angels around you. One day you'll be standing with me. What a blessing. Amen. That's good news that God has for us. That's why we have this program. We want you to have those blessings. Uh, join us next week. And until we meet together, do like Jesus said, search the scriptures and you'll know what is truth. Amen. You've been listening to What is Truth? The radio show devoted to asking the question, what is truth? Listen every weekend at this time for What is Truth? Only on WECK. 